You are listening to Agency Work, the podcast that provides career advice for people who want to work at a creative agency. I'm your host, Parker Playstead. Today I am talking with Aaron Gibson from 903 Creative, a graphic visual design agency in Richmond, Virginia. Aaron has a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in graphic design from James Madison University. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. This is going to be fun. So Aaron and I, you and I have talked uh, a couple of times by phone. We've exchanged some emails, developing the outline for today's episode. There's a lot of good stuff in this outline for today, and I'm really excited to get into this conversation. The audience will notice uh, some difference in how this plays out. I'm generally a little more laid back in the pace of the uh, conversation with the guest, but we've got so much that we want to cover today, and Aaron and I have talked about the pace, and he's good with going at this at a little bit faster pace, so you'll hear me pushing this conversation along at a little bit faster pace today. So let's start with your career, the jobs you had coming out of college. You had a couple of really good formative job experiences uh, that I want to touch on and have you elaborate kind of what you learned in those job experiences. So the first job was a uh, sign company. Tell us a little bit more about that sign company experience. Uh, yeah, Big, Big Image Graphics was uh, the first full-time job I got out of school. Um, Great group of, uh, of folks. They were a lot of fun to work with, um, just from the management down to the bottom. Everybody had a blast there. Uh, but I was their first uh, in-house uh, creative resource, so there was really no blueprint for my job and my, my day-to-day roles. So uh, while I had a lot of uh, freedom, uh, there were some challenges in learning uh, how to manage my own time. Uh, how to talk to clients. I was kind of thrown into the deep end in that regard. So there were a lot of uh, uh, big lessons to learn uh, from time management and client communication, but the creative uh, side wasn't really there. The The designs were, you know, we're, I was trying to push myself and uh, design uh, some interesting billboards, but at the end of the day, it was they were all rectangles. So um, I really enjoyed it there. But yeah, the, the skills I picked up there were more um, secondary soft skills of time management, working with a team, being accountable, talking to clients, um, setting my own deadlines and sticking to them. So really important stuff, but not what I was expecting really to get out of my first full-time gig. Right. So those are some basic skills that you need as a professional. If you're going to do this as a profession, going beyond being an artist and starting to work as a professional and time management is a topic we're going to explore in a little more depth as this conversation goes on. But that was a an important part of learning time management and the need for time management. Um, and then, you know, working with the client, like you said. From there, you jumped over to a design firm with some talented designers, and that's where you uh, developed your design skills and became a better designer. So talk a little bit more about that environment that you were in. After the first year out of school at Big Image Graphics, I got contacted by John Holmes at JHI, John Holmes Incorporated, and they were, uh, when they were open, they closed a few years ago, but they were, in my opinion, one of the one of the top, I think a lot of people would probably agree with that, but they were, they were doing a lot of top work in the, uh, here in town, um, had a lot of great clients, just really, really stellar work. I called it designer boot camp because their attention to detail was 
oh man, I'm staggering sometimes. So it was, it was, uh, sort of the flip side of my experience at Bingham's graphics where there I was really, uh, working on myself as a, a resource for clients and, and team members here. I was working on myself as a designer, uh, just really sharpening my skills. Um, and, and that was, it was really intense, but learned a whole different skill set, And that's where I, I think I grew as much as a designer, not just, uh, an employee, I guess. So while you were working at that company, it sounds like that's where you started to refine your visual design style. Can you tell us more about what your style is or how you would describe your style and some of your uh, design influences or design heroes? My personal style, and I think w- what has since been translated down into 903 as a whole you know, through the rest of my, my team and other designers, uh, is I would say simple and bold. Uh, we have a, a very... Um, very strong style of, of clean, simple design. Uh, and I think that started at JHI because they are a, a they were a branding company and I, that style works with branding and uh, my, my love, my favorite type of work is branding. So um, it started there uh, and it just has sort of translated through all the different types of design that we do. Um, and it goes back probably even further in my design education. You know, some of the, I think it all starts with my love of branding, but you know, you go back to, um, some of the, the Titans and, and just mega, uh, designers who kind of set the stage for that type of work. Um, your Paul Renz and Saul Bass and Herb Lublin and uh, your Milton Glazers. So they, they're, their design style spoke to me, uh, and then on one level and then just through the medium of branding resonated with me on another. So I just liked that it was, um, it was effective because it was, it had to say a lot with a little, um, it's bold. It cuts through the clutter. Um, and I like that it's a bit of a glass house. You know, your ideas don't really have anywhere to hide if the design is, is simple. Um, design shouldn't really get in the way. Nothing should be designed for the sake of it. Um, not to say a design can't be intricate or interesting or textured, but um, I, res- I, I really respond well to um, the, the simple, strong, bold design because it just it, it sinks a little deeper emotionally, I think, with the audience. And I've seen your work, and I would say that it looks clean. That was my first reaction. Uh, bold, I like that description of it. Um, simple, but um, on scale, I would say. Um, for the scale and size of it, the simplicity is somewhat necessary. You, there's, Like you said, you can't let the design get in the way of things. You can't overdo something when it's relatively small in scale, like a logo. So I really like that. Can you give us a little more overview of uh, what the style of 903 Creative, the team there, because you're not the only one. What's the kind of the scope of your style for the clients and the work you do for clients? Oh, interesting question. Um, I think that's probably been one of the most fascinating things for me to see uh, kind of firsthand as the company grows from originally myself as a solo designer to now a team with, uh, you know, diverse perspectives and and skill sets. Um, And I'm I'm going to call names and I'm going to get very specific because we are an in- intimate group. Um, you know, again, my style is very simple and bold, uh, and I would say kind of more classic and fundamental, uh, in terms of some of the, I guess, universal design principles. Um, 
our first hire, uh, Jen, who is uh, another designer, um, she is a really talented illustrator. Um, and you see that come through a lot in her work. Um, you know, if you've seen shirts for or social media or really almost anything for Vossen Brewing in town, chances are Jen has illustrated something there. So it's been, it's been, um, really fun to be able to have somebody else on the team with, with a slightly different style to see that kind of work itself through. So we're starting to get, um, a bit more, um, I guess textured and a bit more organic with some of the things that we're doing. So, uh, that's been fun for me because I, I tend to lean more geometric and uh, just really clean and grid based, and that's not to say the other the other guys can't do it. But um, you know, to to have some more organic illustration starting to be worked in is a lot of fun. Um, and then Blake, our other designer, uh, he's he I would say his design sensibilities are um, are a little closer to mine. He's uh, really um, he's a really strong branding designer uh but he he has he's almost like a a nice in between of jen and i because his he works in a lot of um a lot of illustrations as well but he can refine those and make those really clean and bold that work that are really scalable so um yeah i I think we're um we're starting to uh get a bit more um uh, interesting styles and kind of diversify the work that we're putting out a little bit. But at the end of the day, we're just, we're, we're trying to listen to the client and see what is going to speak to the audience. So, you know, if bold works great, if we need to really get in and make something incredibly intricate that somebody's going to sit and spend hours trying to decipher, let's do it. You know, so all we want to do is listen. And, and if there's a need for a style that challenges us, that's great. We're, we're up for it. So, um, yeah, I think our style is open to always changing, but there's definitely a common thread that you can kind of see in our portfolio. So, Aaron, this is the part of the conversation where I usually ask the guests to give me some examples of their work. So that's what I'm going to ask you. Give me some examples of clients you've worked for and what did they ask for and, and try to describe what it is you did for the client. I'll make it easy for anybody who wants to interact with any of the work we've done. Just go to Scott's Edition because that's where uh, a lot of our work and clients were um, are, are sort of collected. We were there. Our office was there for a couple of years. Um, so the three that I'll talk about are Blue Bee Cider, Vossen Brewing, and Perch, the new uh, restaurant uh, from Mike Ledesma. Um, and really each one of these uh, companies um, – had the same problem that they needed to be solved. Uh, they were, it was a new venture that was starting up and they had, they knew what they wanted to do. They knew the service, they knew their personality. They knew sort of what the tone that they wanted to communicate, but they didn't have a brand. Uh, so we were brought in to help develop that with them. Uh, Blue Bee Cider was the first uh, client in that list that we worked with They're, They've been around the longest. Uh, and, uh, Courtney Maley from Blue Bee is a is a friend and a, a former coworker of Amanda, my wife, who's a partner at 903 as well. Um, and Courtney knew that she wanted to start this urban cidery and start Blue Bee, so um, she brought us on to help develop the brand, which then turned into packaging and later apparel and posters for events and the website design. So uh, it was a really fun experience to develop the brand from a very fundamental level at first, and then work through those different touch points as the brand developed into a bigger thing and sort of grew legs and traveled a little further. Uh, and the same general process helped happened with, um, with Vossen. Uh, those guys, Tony and, and Joey 
came back into town and they were looking to start start at Boston Brewing. And um, I would say that they probably had a clearer idea of uh, a clearer vision of the, the the tone and the message and just the the general um, attitude that Boston Brewing was going to take um, with a little bit of a, a Scandinavian heritage and, and homage to that, but also this this outdoors element, which also ties into that. Um, so we developed, worked with those guys really close. We iterated a lot on their brand. Uh, we came up with a, a you know a couple of ideas for their logo, and then they were really really hands on, which was a lot of fun. I mean, most clients are, but we really got into the weeds with those guys and. Um, really took a lot of care to shape every letter form of their logo. So if anybody uh, wants to see some of that work in action, go uh, check Vossen Brewing out in Scott's edition. Um, uh, and after we had the logo developed, and again, we worked through um, the various the website, a couple of iterations of that. Um, and we're doing everything from social media to apparel. They had a big one-year anniversary festival that we did all of the um, all of the design for, um, and they've been a really really great partner. And we've got um, just an ongoing uh, relationship with them. So we're if if anything, I would say if most anything visual comes out uh, from Voss and Brewing, we've had a hand on it, and uh, I think that's probably one of the biggest keys to developing a strong brand is with you have somebody with that that's you helped craft that vision if that same person or group in our case is involved then everything is coming from the same voice everybody's on the same page of what we're trying to say the audience we're trying to reach and you'll feel that consistency throughout and then the brand is stronger for that reason um and lastly perch on um on broad uh from the restaurant from mike ledesma that just opened uh, similar process. Uh, Mike uh, had a very um, unique backstory and, and flavor of what he was trying to create with Perch, but we had to work a little closer to develop the overall brand vision for what Perch was going to be before we started the logo design. So it was a lot of mood boards and a lot of uh, looking at photography and textures and colors and figuring out, assigning a personality to the brand uh, and then using all of that information to build out the the design, the branding and the design. Um, and we had the tremendous advantage to work with the interior designer, uh, work with the brand consultant since very early in the process. So everything was cohesive. We didn't have to worry about applying a brand to an interior design that would feel it would be jarring or it wouldn't mesh well. So that was really really helpful to make everything tie together to see what they were going to do with the building to see you know the the tiles that were going behind the bar or in the kitchen it, it just all of that factored into what we were doing um, and we developed a ton of different initial designs for them and had a big group in there reviewing everything and, and it all came together and, and we were able to carry that on through the menus and and their website again so it's it's those are really all three really really fun clients that trusted us with not just their brand but a few other touch points that were crucial so if anybody is curious uh what our style is or or how some of our designs live in the real world um i would encourage them to take a little take a little tour of scott's edition um go to blue b cider get some cider and go to uh, Vossen and 
try some of their i mean those guys they know their way around a beer they this some of the best stuff seriously and the same can be said for mike at, at, at perch not to give free plugs or anything but i mean one of the best meals i've ever had and to be able to work with people who are passionate about what they're doing and they're offering and they're creating something a quality product to be able to work with them and stand behind our design and their product is one of the most rewarding things for our listeners who are not familiar with Richmond, Virginia, Scott's Edition is a section of Richmond, Virginia that's being redeveloped. And there are new restaurants, there are new businesses that Aaron was describing, like the breweries and the cideries. There's office space, there's apartments. It's a really vibrant part of Richmond in, in a redevelopment section that's really cool. And so I'm glad to hear about those companies and the work that they're doing with their branding uh, to build out their brand and their presence in Richmond. So that's great. So what we're going to get into next is a part of this outline today where Aaron has some tips on how to be a better designer. And it's a great section of the outline we developed, and I'm looking forward to him sharing these tips about how do you become a better designer. One of the most crucial things is thinking about the user. How is what you're creating going to be uh, consumed? Um, and I know that you've talked about creative briefs a lot on the podcast. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's what it's about. It's, it's figuring out the, who's going to see it. Why are they seeing it? What are you saying? Um, so until you put yourself in the user's shoes and really think through how, how they're going to see what you're creating, uh, and let, until you do that, it's not going to be effective. It doesn't matter how pretty it is or how trendy it is or how many likes it gets or whatever. Um, so you have to think about the user and get that brief in place. Right. So you're thinking about who the audience is, you're working within certain parameters that the client's given you, and you're trying to understand visually what it is you're trying to communicate, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All that. And then next, Aaron had this tip about capturing your ideas. And I love this tip, so I'm going to let you describe it. Well, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big fan of a guy in our industry named Aaron Draplin. Um, and he, along with Jim Goodall, came up with these little field notes uh, sketchbooks. And um, even if I wasn't such a Draplin fanboy, I would probably still carry a stack of them because they're so handy. I try to have one anywhere I go because it, you never know. I mean, creativity and inspiration is a weird, weird thing. You never know when it's going to hit. So you you got to be able to capture things as they come to you. You never know what project is going to rear its ugly head in your subconscious when you're, I don't know, trying to make dinner or filling up your car with gas. Who knows? But you've got to capture that stuff somewhere. If it's Evernote on your phone or, you know, napkins and pencils, I I don't know um, what works for everybody, but, you know, having a little notebook and a pen on me at all times is is crucial. So having some way to uh, draw or write down or uh, sketch what it is is in your head as the creative moment uh, hits you, that's a great tip. I mean, if, if you're going to be a graphic designer, capture those moments in a way where you can record it on something with something, whatever that is. Have something that you can sketch with, write with um, to capture those ideas when they hit you. And it might not even be related to a product product or a project. It might just be a random thing. Why do I want to put a 
squirrel in a mask doing an elbow drop. Oh, because the squirrels are doing this, you know, promotion every Friday. It, it's you never know. Just capture it all. Capture everything. Yeah. That's I think that's the key. You're talking about the flying squirrels, our baseball oh, team yeah, here. Yeah. yeah, another local reference. Another local reference. Yeah. Flying squirrels, good team, baseball team here in Richmond. And then another idea on this list of being a better designer is grow through diverse experiences. And this is another great tip, so I'm going to turn it back over to you to explain that. The thing that goes into your designer DNA is what you're drawing from mentally and, and emotionally when you're trying to solve these problems. So what is that well made of? What is what is that filled up with? It's our life experiences. So if you do the same thing over and over, then you're – the source material for your designs is is watered down. Not that I'm going heavy on this water theme here, um, but you know the more the more you can get out there and experience life and other humans in the world, the more um, diverse your perspective gets, and you can uh, work that into your projects when you go to problem solve. It, this is a very very strange um, uh, connection. You know, we talked. We were just talking about the the Richmond Flying Squirrels and their Luchador tie-in Fridays. I spent a little time on the independent scene as a wrestler. So if I did want to draw a squirrel coming off the top rope for a T-shirt or whatever, I could. It will be accurate. I'll know how. So those little things. You know, if you if you like to travel, if you like to, whatever your little whatever your interests are, pursue those. Get out of your comfort zone and and add to the source material from your designs and what makes you a creative problem solver. Right. You need that source material to draw on and a variety of experiences give you a variety of perspectives and a variety on the inspiration. So that's a great tip. I love it. So another item on the list is don't measure your success by others' standards. I like that. And and I try to uh, feel that myself. I try to step back and say, look, what matters to me is what matters to me, and don't measure you know whether I'm happy or not by other people's standards. So let's get into that a little bit, Aaron. Tell me more about why you came up with that for being a better designer. Well, that's just it, right? You know, figuring out what your place of of happiness and content, and how you define success. It's it's. I don't know if it's harder now, but you know, a big part of how we share and communicate now is is. Um, on on social media and things, you see a lot more um, from people that uh, is is a bit more curated and and rightfully so. I mean, that's what social media is about if you use it that way. Um, So it's easy to to see what everybody else is doing right because that's what they're trying to do if if again if they're using social media that way to promote themselves or or their business or their skills that you want to put out the best of the best. It's but I think it's just the way it's delivered to us is different you know if if we were constantly uh scrolling through uh if if i before instagram were constantly scrolling through other design firms uh portfolio sites just daily just to pass the time just because when i'm bored i pull out my phone and look at a somebody else's portfolio site i would i would probably feel pretty inadequate you know pretty quickly so i think it's just um you, you have to know where to draw inspiration from things and you have to know um, when things are so carefully curated and just it's everybody's we're all shouting at each other about the cool things we're doing and that's awesome but we should use that as an opportunity to celebrate without you know kind of turning it in on ourselves and saying well, why aren't we doing that 
Right. And, and some of this is the iceberg concept, right? What you may be seeing on social media is the tip of the iceberg and you're not seeing all the other stuff that they produce that's below the water. And you may feel somewhat inadequate because you're looking at your entire iceberg and somebody else's tip of the iceberg. Is that fair? Absolutely. Yeah. I don't even want to see what's under that water. Good grief. <laughs> so, so this is good. All right. The next thing on the list is keep it positive. So tell us more about that philosophy as a designer. It ties in pretty well with what we were just talking about, but uh, in the same way that you want to be positive and treat yourself well, uh, specifically if you're a designer and the, the design culture and the design industry, uh, we're always um, uh, looking at other people's work, looking at the latest um, project or the ne- the latest big thing that's newsworthy. And um, I think that it is important that, we all um, contribute positively to the ongoing design um, conversation and the, the dialogue that's that's happening kind of you know globally with design. It's pretty easy in a subjective industry like ours to to see something and decide, oh, well, I would have made this decision differently or why didn't they do this? But you know you're seeing the final product. You have no idea what led to that. So um, I think keeping that perspective and um, kind of cutting, each other some slack and just uh realizing that there are there are a lot of people that still value what we do and value the design industry there are a couple of um uh, sites and services out there that are kind of cutting into that so we don't we don't need to kind of tear each other down as designers or, or be too harsh or critical when they when we see each other's work right this is such a subjective industry and when you're in a subjective industry, it's a life's a lot better when people are positive and supportive, and so that's an important part of this. Yeah, and you can be critical in a positive way. You can it's constructive feedback, right? I mean, you can you can uh, disagree with somebody in a healthy way, but you have to it has to be founded in something. Well, let's let's talk about that a minute. The the critique process and giving feedback. So. As a professional, you need to be receptive to receiving uh, critiques, and eventually you need to develop a skill of giving critiques and and helping other people along. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it's two sides to the same coin because you have to have the thick skin because you're going to present something that, even if in your mind fits the brief, talks to the audience, is the best design decision, if the person who is hiring you to do that disagrees, then you have to find a way to one, take on their feedback without um, it, remove your ego completely, uh, get to the heart of what they're saying, what their what goal they're trying to accomplish with their feedback without being hurt or offended or without getting too attached to this design that is now maybe out the window. It depends on how much you have to change. But then you have to be uh, just as good at um, sort of giving critique back because that that's where the conversation starts. If somebody says, I really like what you've done, but let's do X, Y, and Z, then you almost have to, if it's a true dialogue, it's a true conversation, you really have to critique their critique. You have to say, well, I, I see what you're trying to do with that, but this this may work better for X, Y, and Z reasons. So it's this, it's a dance and it's balancing the scales, but um, you have to you have to be just as good at receiving and giving um, that critique. And it's, again, it's got to be founded in something. You can't just stick to your guns and say you want it this way because it's prettier or it's, you know, it's going to get more retweets. Um, you know, it's, it's got to be founded in something. It's got to be solid. 
And I'm going to guess that that takes time to develop that skill, that, that as you're working with other designers and you're getting feedback from designers, you're getting critiques from other people, and then you're having some opportunities to either working with your clients, give feedback or guidance, or work with other designers or uh, people who are seeking advice from you, it takes some time to hone that skill. It does. It does. Oh, you know, as you grow at all as a designer, you 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 equip yourself with more tools and you see more uh, more situations and and you have better arguments. But you know, you sort of you sort of get thrown in the fire early uh, in in school. You know. It, I, I haven't had too many um, uh, design pitches that were as as brutal as putting up, you know, a logo design on paper in front of twenty of twenty kids who, you know, we're all young and dumb and don't really know what we're doing, and have them rip it apart. That to me is when you learn uh, sort of both. You you have to hear everybody kind of tear it apart, but then um, when it's your turn, you can't just say, "I don't like that." Why don't you like it? You have to be able to explain that. Um, so, yeah, I have I have. Yet to have many uh, design pitches that are are that brutal. I mean, we've presented you know fourteen logo printouts to a room of of you know fifteen twenty people, and it's it's you get that thick skin. You know how to roll with the punches, and if you have done your job and the work is is based in and research and good design thinking, then then your comp- it goes back to confidence. If you can stand behind your work, then if somebody critiques it, chances are if you if you really listen, it's valuable. It's something you haven't thought about from their perspective as the business owner or, you know, the client or whatever. So, um, yeah, definitely you, you get, you get better the more experience you get, but man, it's, it's, it's definitely jumping in the deep end with things like school and those, uh, those peer critiques. Good. Well, I've got to push this conversation on to the next topic. So the next thing is be a better employee, and we've got a couple of uh, a couple of items on that list. So I'll start with mastering project and time management, and this is something that once you become a professional and you're working for clients, this is a really important skill. So tell us more about that. Well, in our industry, everything is deadline based. Um, you know, people want to know how long things are going to take when they're going to have it back. There's bigger things at play and you can tell somebody that you need more time if it means that the final product is going to be better. But, um, you know, it, it's a rare case. You, you have to, you have to be honest and you have to set expectations and you have to be considerate of your team members. If you're a part of uh, a multi- uh, designer team. You know, if if you, I've seen this and I've, I've been in the position of when you have a, a fellow designer, not, not 903, just to clear that up, but in my past life, uh, you know, if, if one of your fellow designers, uh, they're on the hook to do something and it comes down to the, the final hour and they can't get it done and you got to jump in and help them out, then you're sort of taking on other people's stress and um, there's, you know, there's being a team player, but then there's uh, to, to get the work done, but then there's also being responsible with with your workload, the, the the firm's reputation, your teammates' time, so yeah, to, figuring out what you can get done and managing expectations internally on out to the client, uh, you figure out to do that, and you've got a, a big leg up in terms of um, uh, uh, employability. Right, and you can't continue to refine and refine and refine. At some point, you've got to release this, and and time's up. So, and talk about that a little bit of of understanding what's important, what are the priorities, and and kind of understanding the timeline and when to stop refining and and iterating on this. 
that is a fine art within itself. John uh, Holmes used to say that uh, you can make a career out of any single project. You could you can refine anything for the rest of your life. If you are passionate about it, you may never think it's perfect. Um, and for us, that's that's an interesting challenge because we uh, pride ourselves in the idea of of the the design exploration and the journey of design and and trying different things and iterating and sketching a bunch of things. We typically over deliver if we are working on something like a logo project. It's we have you know delivered twice as many as we've promised before just because we we are trying a bunch of things but yeah you have to you have to know how far to go down that path before you're you're wasting your time and and people's money and and sacrificing possibly a deadline if you could be working on a more um uh uh, plausible solution so that's one of those things that you know you you just have to keep working you gotta keep working at it you gotta know your style you gotta know your capabilities you may see this this great um style that you want to try and the sketch may look great but if you can't refine that in time and you start eating to your into your time budget then you just gotta you gotta let it go you gotta let it go man um and knowing where those where those where those little exits are on the design highway like all right this is not working i gotta pull the chute on this thing um you know that's 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 a skill in itself learning that so maybe if you've got an idea that you want to explore, a style you want to explore and refine, maybe that's a side hustle or a side project thing to develop that skill. It's not a on-the-clock-for-a-client thing. You, know, you, you yeah. want to use what you know how to do when you're on the clock for the client, but if you've got something that is inspiring you, you want to explore. If it's, keep, if it's still speaking to you, do it on your free time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So the next item on this list is professional communication. And so agencies and and I'll say graphic design agencies more prevalently can be kind of a casual environment, but we got to maintain a professional uh, presence. So I'd like you to talk about that a little bit. You got to read the room, right? You got to see what, uh, what the client's sensibilities are and what their, what their vibe is. And, um, you know, the, for example, the marketing manager may have a different, uh, more laid back style than the, than the brand and the company they work for overall. But, um, it's, it's a, it's a marriage of, of being true to yourself, not being phony, but also, um, being respectful of the client and their level of professionalism. Um, and I think nothing, nothing irks me more as, as, rough and doofy as I sound here. I love email because I can hide all of that. I can, I will craft an email all day long. I love it. Um, and I, I, when something, when an email doesn't feel, uh, any sort of that communication emails, especially don't feel considered or, uh, respectful or professional, it, 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 it stands out to me. And it's honestly all the way from recent grads and prospects and, uh, intern candidates all the way up to, you know, people who have, have been working with decades of experience. It's just, you know, it's not hard to, um, just craft some messages, uh, that in a professional way that, um, that show respect, um, but also again, just not not being phony. If we have a, we have a very casual style, um, but you know, I don't start every email to everybody with "Hey" because it just it's it it still doesn't quite 
look right you know so it's it's reading those in between the lines with things yeah yeah i get it and i'm very old school and people probably make fun of my emails because i'm so old school about uh an introduction and addressing mm-hmm. the person and and closing it out I, i'm kind of old school me about too me. i can't do it if somebody if, even if they set the tone of not doing a, a greeting and i still have to put their name i just there's there's a format there respect the format i'm i'm, I'm with you man and your emails to me reflect that. I mean, I can tell the audience that the, the <laughs> emails that you sent me, you know, match right up with what you just described. And you read it all, which was amazing. Yeah. Most people don't read my emails. Yeah, I get that criticism as well that I write too much and people won't read it. But anyway, I, <laughs> I, I appreciate the, the content and the depth of all of this. So the last thing on this list is keep clean files, right? You're part of a team now. You're not an individual and other people may need to get involved in the work that you're doing. So talk briefly about that. It's very easy um, when we're creating to sort of let the paint fly and and just do whatever in terms of file structure to get to the idea and to make the design match your vision, um, which is why I stress this uh, uh, to anybody who will listen to me, um, because it's it's very easy and and. Uh, it's deceptively messy to get to the end of a, a project or it's time to hand something off or at some point in the process somebody's got to jump in and they can't make sense of the naming conventions or you know to get technical you know the way things are layered or masked or whether they're outlined or linked or f- the color profiles are p- converted you know all, all of that I, I'm a big proponent in doing that as you go because if to a certain extent if it's going to get if it's going to go to print or publication or be released digitally, that stuff needs to happen anyway. So keep your house in order, man. Keep your keep your files clean because somebody uh, somebody's going to have to clean up after you. Great tips, great tips. I like that. Okay, this brings us to the point in the podcast where we talk about tips for people looking for jobs and people who are in this industry looking for work in this industry, whether it's a job at an agency or doing freelance work. And you had some great insight on that. So we'll start with research before applying, right? Know uh, something about the agency you're reaching out to or the person you're reaching out to. A personalized uh, email or is going to catch my attention way more. And I'm speaking broadly. I'm, I don't know if everybody shares this. I would imagine they would. But uh, if if something feels copy and pasted, if it's not personalized at all, or if you know if, if you are on the fringes of what we do, but not you can see clearly if you go to our website and see the work that we're doing and the team that we have. If there doesn't, if there's not a logical position for you, um, then I, I, it would. There's really no point to, to reach out. It sounds harsh. I, I, it, I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I will almost entertain an interview and, and chat with anybody. I love talking to people. But at a certain point, I think it goes back to the respect thing. You know, if you if you really, really want to work somewhere um, and you you really value what they do, that, that hasn't come through. I've got to feel like you know who we are. You know our style. You know our values. Um, and, and if I'm not seeing that, then... Um, you know, it's, you're going to have a a short, short visit for sure. So another aspect of this is a designer, you want to have some presence online, some kind of portfolio that you can share uh, with people. And and I'm kind of making an assumption here that uh, you're going to be designing in a digital fashion and can put it online. You're not designing in something that's not digital, but let's talk about that a minute. What do you recommend for an online portfolio? 
got to be responsive first and foremost. And I think most uh, portfolio sites and builders that people are using has that covered. But uh, if you're reaching out to a, a pretty busy firm, they might be looking at your portfolio on their phone. So make sure it's accessible. Make sure it's clean. Uh, make sure uh, just use it yourself. Do some focus groups with teachers and students to make sure that the work makes sense and it's easy to navigate. Put a little bit about yourself on there and, and just um, curate your work carefully. Don't just try and fill it up with whatever you've got. This needs to be the best of the best for you. Great. So our next topic is about networking and how important networking is. As you're out there looking for a job, people who have met you are more likely to think of you and, and think of you for an opportunity than if you're somebody who just submits uh, online or cold resume or cold call or cold email. So the more people you meet, the better your chances are of, of landing an opportunity. So let's talk about that a minute. If I've met you and and we've exchanged pleasantries and and we've had a conversation, then you're automatically on the short list. You know, you sort of automatically jump over any any every cold call email thing that comes through where I don't really have a connection with that person. So, uh, regardless of of how long we talk, it, it's it's you just have to get out there and meet people. And if it's at an event or if it's just um, asking uh, somebody, a, a partner or principal out for, for coffee to pick their brain or get opinions on their portfolio, not necessarily asking for a job or anything like that, but just to kind of get out and, and get some face time with people is just, it's critical. Aaron, thank you for that advice. And we've run out of time today, so I've got to wrap this thing up, but I really appreciate the insights that you've shared with us. To our audience, you've been listening to the Agency Work Podcast. My guest today has been Aaron Gibson from 903 Creative. We've been talking about graphic design, how to become a better designer, how to work with clients, and some other tips for our audience today. To learn more about Aaron and 903 Creative, go online to 903creative.com. So that's the numbers, 903creative.com. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Parker. And to our audience, thank you for listening. I will be back next week with a new guest, and I hope you will tune into that episode. This podcast was recorded at Red Amp Audio in Richmond, Virginia. This is Agency Work signing off.